Okay, we are back with a special episode of Ceiling Breakers with Audra and Stacy. We have some ladies from the Tallgrass Film Festival here today. Yay! Yay! So excited for you ladies to be here. Thank you. It is Tallgrass season. We're so excited. So to start with, we're super excited to have Melanie Addington. She is our, It's her first year as executive director of the Tallgrass Film Festival here in Wichita. And she has been a part of the film festival world since 2006. So thank you for, for moving to Wichita and joining us yeah. today. We have a couple of filmmakers that we're always excited um, to welcome them to Wichita for uh, to be featuring their films. So we have Mai Hong, and she is a Los Angeles-based producer and director, and she has done several like short films and has screened at film festivals around the world. And her first documentary, Cat Daddies, uh, world premiered at Dallas International Film Festival, film festival, and will be here at Tallgrass as well. Yay, and thanks for joining us. That one also won the Audience Award for Best Documentary yes. in Dallas, which is pretty my, cool. My first award ever. Yay! Woo! So fun. Now you're an award-winning producer and a director. Yes. We'll have to update. You have to update your bio now. Uh, <laughs> Emily Emily Branham is a director and producer and editor in New York City who makes films about artists and creative thinkers. She has lots of experience um, working with creatives and high-pressure environments and uh, has been a producer for um, some very uh, name-worthy clients such as Mercedes, Adidas, The Roots, Gwen Stefani. Um, we're really excited for Being BB. It's her first feature film that will be at Tallgrass and super excited for that film. So thank you, thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedules this week to, to join us. So yeah. Thank you so much for having us. This is so awesome. Yeah. Do you want to dive in and start to tell us a little yeah. bit about yourselves? Who first? <laughs> okay, how about let's go Melanie let's first. Go, yeah. Okay, since I asked. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I um, am the new executive director. I moved to Wichita May 1st. I was living in Oxford, Mississippi. I've been um, part of Oxford Film Festival for almost 15 years. I've juried at a bunch of festivals, volunteered at a bunch, and been a filmmaker at a few. Um, and I have a 23-year-old son, and I have a husband. His name is Josh. He's a graphic designer, and a lot of the graphic designs you saw at Tallgrass this year are hit, thanks to his volunteering. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I really love this community, so it's been really a wonderful organization to join. And Melanie, did you were you involved in Tallgrass before you moved, or what kind of drew you to? Yeah, when Leela Meta Connor ran it, I came as a juror and just really loved the community. I really fell in love with Old Town, and when I moved here, that's where I ended up moving. So, um, yeah, I'd only been just as a participant and watched from afar, and just saw how great they are with filmmakers. So I knew when the job opened that it's a place I I could fit easily. Very cool. Yeah, she's my neighbor. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. fun. All right. Mai, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get in? Like, what's kind of your past history? How did you get into filmmaking? Like, tell us just a little well, bit about it. Yeah, uh, I grew up, I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. And for someone like me, there wasn't really a lot to do if you're not really into sports. Um, you just, I went to the movies a lot. Also, my parents <laughs> were really, my parents are really, really strict. I wasn't even allowed to go to like sleepovers, but one of the few things I was allowed to do was go to the movies. And so it's just always been part of my growing up and I just fell in love with it. I was always making little movies with like a VHS camera with my friends in school, um, just making up skits and stuff. And then just, 
I'd always wanted to be involved. I thought I would be maybe like a screenwriter or something. I always wanted to direct. I was always doing it as a little kid. So, you know, I studied film at SMU. And then uh, after that, I was also working as a projectionist at a, at a, like a vintage movie theater. And I also founded a, a film festival for Asian film because at the theater I was working at, we weren't really getting enough like uh, films from Asia. And I really want, I kind of selfishly wanted to see them on the big screen. And so I wanted to bring it to town. And I found that lots of people also wanted this. So we started like this community. So I started the Asian Film Festival of Dallas, um, which is still running today. It's in its 20th year. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, so it's kind of funny hearing Melanie is also a filmmaker because I also have that kind of decade of experience running film festivals. I moved around a lot. I worked for um, the Asian Film Festival in San Diego. I eventually 10 years ago settled in Los Angeles where, um, you know, in the beginning moving to Los Angeles, I had a lot of survival jobs and then just sort of dabbled in producing and also directed a a feature, micro-budget feature, and just dabbled in all these things and narrative. And it wasn't until two years ago that I embarked on my movie to make a documentary. And this is after kind of losing losing a little bit of my passion in directing uh, narrative. And now I've kind of uh, refound some passion in documentary. And I don't, I don't really know why I never did this before. Cause I'm always watching documentaries. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if I just thought I wasn't qualified and it wasn't something that I studied. I, I was, I had, you know, more years in narrative. So, so yeah, now, now I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah. And I think I will move forward on that path rather than in narrative. I bet your parents are patting themselves on the back for being so strict. They're like, see, <laughs> Yeah. Oh. She's a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I can, my family is is just kind of puzzled. I'm really the only one that's like the creative type, and they're <laughs> all very puzzled by it. But I could but definitely. They're, they're, they're excited, especially after winning that award in my hometown. Oh yeah, that yeah, was very exciting. For that's everybody. a big deal. Yeah, I I could definitely relate to the small town, like small town Kansas, like Midwest. You like if you don't play sports, there's just nothing else to do. So I went to the movies a lot myself. So I did not become a filmmaker, but I definitely have a the opposite story of my. I'm from Los Angeles, where everybody was a filmmaker. Oh, I knew oh. myself to become one. So yeah, I did it. What everyone else didn't do. <laughs> so. That's awesome. How about you, Emily? Um, yeah, so I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. So love the Midwest. I'm really excited to come to Tallgrass and screen our film there. Um, yeah, and I, I was a bit of a child actor growing up. We had a really great theater community in Minneapolis, and I sort of found my my way into it. And, you know, I was doing plays at these equity-caliber theaters in, in Minneapolis by the time I was a teenager and, you know, thought that was my passion, thought that was what I wanted to do. And then got to college and was like, oh, no, no, this is not <laughs> what I want to do. <laughs> like, auditioning is for the birds. And I'm a really hard worker and I like making stuff and I'm kind of a computer nerd a little bit. And so I just, I I fell in love with editing and um, just combining all these things I loved between writing and drama and light and music and all this stuff. Um, 
so yeah, I became a filmmaker uh, or uh, a film major at Northwestern University and a filmmaker at Northwestern. Um, and then when I graduated, I moved to New York with my best friend who had a house sitting gig for nine months in Queens. Um, and so that was how we were able to move to New York and find jobs. And um, my first job was at a music video production company and uh, that also made commercials. And so I sort of fell into a day job of, um, you know, production coordinating, on a path to producing and stuff, uh, which fell into a, a post-producing kind of a, a specialty. Um, so I started like post-producing to make my living and to buy myself time to make my own films and direct my own projects like music videos and, and, um, and directing work for hire that doesn't pay as well as commercial producing for hire yet. Um, and so I've just been sort of cobbling together a, a parallel path forward um, with like my commercial work to pay the bills and my documentary work to feed my heart. And I, I stumbled on this story a very long time ago. Um, in 2006, I, I met my uh, protagonist, Bibi Zaharbonet, in Minneapolis. Um, and yeah, I, I also was not a documentary person before then. I thought I was a music video person. Um, but there was something to the story that was like, really, really drawing me in and also kind of not so far from music videos in terms of combining music and image and story. And so, I don't know, I fell into the documentary community and I was like, oh, these might be my people. <laughs> like most documentary people are really altruistic and kind and humble and, you know, really generous with sharing information and what they've learned. And it's just real hard. So I think we're all just real humble <laughs> and like kind of broke and kind of friendly and like, I don't know, I've really loved the community. <laughs> I love how you both stumbled into documentary and that's not something you set out to do. Is that common or do, do, do you know of a lot of people who their heart is documentaries and they go for that right off the bat? I, I mean, that, I, yeah, okay. go ahead. Well, I think 20 years ago when I was getting into film, I think like documentary, I don't know, you couldn't really make a living yeah, for sure yeah, okay. back then. Yeah. There wasn't any demand for it. It was mm -hmm. very rare that documentary would hit the big screen. So I think I was never really interested because I, I like to consume my media on the big screen. I, I'm not, I'm just one of these people. I'm not like, I'm not that interested in YouTube videos. And I'm just not interested in streaming stuff on my phone or even at home. Like I really like the experience of cinema and mm -hmm. it's kind of back then it was kind of rare to see it that way. So it was just never really a thought, I think. And I think also it was harder to make a living back then. And now I think that actually because of streaming documentaries have really taken off, you know, the, people now talk about watching documentaries like it's watching television yeah. I mean, it's just a normal thing now back then it was like oh that just sounds really educational and boring yeah. <laughs> and now <laughs> yeah also with technology and advanced cameras documentaries now like look really great and they look cinematic so I think that's that's what got me interested well I think yeah seeing the docu more documentaries on like Netflix and other streaming services, I think has really helped. I know I teach a women in leadership class. It's a, it's an online class. And so we read some books and things that are required, but then we do like open educational resources. So they go, so I have like recommendations of like films about women in leadership and women's history. And, um, there's just a ton of documentaries that are easy to find. And I think that, you know, it's and they're and they're entertaining as well. It's not just 
this is, yeah, go watch this for school kind of thing. It's something that's going to be entertaining, and they can find it on their streaming services. So for me, that made a big difference. I mean, I don't know that I ever watched a documentary until I started going to the festival. Um, so, yeah, do we want to jump right into Tallgrass? What kind of skin? Can I just add down? something to yeah. that? Yeah, I think, you know, like documentary has been a field where there's been a lot more women historically in oh. making films than in narrative. And I think there's a lower bar and barrier to entry mm-hmm. with documentary, yeah. financially especially. Like, you know, I'm, I'm co-producing my very dear friend and, and co-producer in my movie's narrative film. And, like, we need to raise a $1.5 million budget. Like, that's, whereas, like, to start my movie, I just needed to borrow a camera mm-hmm. and, like, convince a couple friends to come with me to Dallas to shoot this pageant like you know and over time then it becomes more expensive and you have to find a way but but I think there are also a lot of really incredible narrative filmmakers who start in documentary because there is that lower barrier to entry and then and then move on to really exciting narrative visions that are really creative too yeah and I think traditionally like Maya was saying 20 years ago I think 20 years ago the path forward for a lot of female directors was in documentary. That's also why it sort of grew. I think that's changing finally, but that is the positive and negative of it. It sort of helped develop it. Um, but also, yeah, it was sort of the limiting, like you could do documentary or you could do TV. <laughs> You're not going to get a Marvel film, you know? Yeah. So what, if we're sticking in order here, I'm sorry, I tend to jump around. Um, I'll try to stick it, stay in order. Um, what have been some of your challenges? Um, Emily was just saying that there might be there's a little bit of lower lower barrier to women in, in documentary um, in this industry. But as a whole, the film industry is still very male-dominated, correct? Can you share any, any challenges or barriers that you faced? Who, who do you want to hear? start just from looking at women in general at yeah. film festivals is that... Um, I mean, there's two levels. Unfortunately, white women have a slightly better chance than a woman of color. Um, but even then, it's still like a very, very tiny percentage of access. Um, I think there's been a lot of great groups over the past three to five years that have launched um, female-led production companies and are trying to change that. But it's still sort of, you know, clawing our way to the top kind of thing. But I can tell you when I was going out to festivals 20 years ago, I made horror films. I'd be the only female in the bunch of male directors. And I don't feel that way anymore at all at festivals. Mm-hmm. There's 50-50. So. Cool. That's great. All right, Mai? I, I, I would just go back to what Emily was saying about um, the financial barrier. Mm. Um, you know, it's it is extremely expensive. It is harder to raise money. I don't know if it's just, it could just be subliminal, psychological, that people maybe are less willing to give money to a woman, whereas like maybe a man, they feel like more confident that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that study too, that like, like people in positions of power and wealth tend to take chances on people who remind them of themselves. So we need to just help elevate more women and BIPOC and LGBTQ individuals across all industries so that they can rise to positions of power and wealth and be able to share that, you know, and, and, you know, yeah. And empower other Mm -hmm. people to, to tell their stories and, you know, have opportunities to... to There's a really deep historical dive with that. Like um, in the 20s, women were just as dominant as directors. And then as big money came in, a lot of more um, Republican, big bank money, they wanted to see a certain type of person in power. And so women started getting less and less availability in the industry. So it really was about banking. It's all about the money. So 
Interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. It makes sense because women are, we always talk about women are such like natural storytellers. So that makes sense that they would have been involved in that from the right. beginning when it wasn't all political. And yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Learned something new today for sure. Um, Emily, I was going to ask you specific, we'll kind of dive into the films a little bit more, um, a little bit later, but I wanted to ask if you had any, um, any challenge when we're talking about challenges, challenges specifically to this document, this film, any pushback from anyone or just be because of the, what it's about? Um, well, I think, you know, over the past 15 years, the, the world of drag has changed so significantly. I mean, Bibi, my protagonist, was the very first winner of this reality show, RuPaul's Drag Race, that now is very mainstream and a lot of people have heard of. But when we started filming in 2006, drag was still pretty taboo. It was mostly done in clubs that, you know, were generally gay clubs and, you know, like, uh, um, I don't know, it just, it had sort of a reputation for being seedy or being, you know, full of people who had these sort of like really sad stories or something. Like these were the sort of stereotypes and, and that were being perpetuated when I started making the film. And um, I don't know, it was just so contrary to my experience once I got there and started meeting these people. Like these were artists and creative souls and brilliant, you know, empowered, courageous people. And like, I just... Um, I don't know. So in terms of challenges, I think, I don't know. Everything about this film was a challenge. Everything about finishing a film is a challenge for everybody. It's so freaking hard to, to make a film and, you know, every movie wants to be bad. And so you got to like really fight that and like really push to make sure it doesn't become bad. And I think that's why I spent so long on it is I wanted to make sure that the story we ended up with in the can did justice to Baby's story. And it took time for that to play out in real life and in verite scenes that we could capture and and create an arc out of that was authentic to his experience and and also moving and inspiring to others. So um, yeah, I think time, patience, money, they were all limitations and challenges, but uh, I, I don't know, I think I was inspired by Baby to keep going the way that, that she kept going. And I'm very, very pleased we did. <laughs> very excited for it well I kind of skipped we'll come back to the kind of history of Tallgrass but I want to since we're talking about the films my tell us a little bit about uh, your film that's going to be um, showing at Tallgrass yeah so I started Cat Daddies two years ago and it's kind of funny because I've you know always interviewed documentary filmmakers so I knew how hard a documentary feature would be going in um, because there's so much out of your control just in real life. Um, so you don't know what's going to happen and, and that it's not uncommon for a film to change direction, right? I knew that going in, and with that context in mind, I, I thought this was going to be an easy project. I thought one year, <laughs> one year and done, and it would be light, it would be very easy, quick, fun, everything. And it was that for the beginning, up until March, 2020, we're in the middle of filming. <laughs> and then everything changed after that. I think the direction of the movie changed. Um, some of the cast changed because we couldn't travel to them. A lot of momentum was lost because I think just everybody had problems in their personal lives. And I think that it, it was just a lot of um, uncertainty and concern. And certainly for me, I also had that for myself. So it's just all over the place. Everybody just was, it was more about the pandemic and 
it just lost momentum. And I was really worried uh, because in the beginning, you know, when I was fundraising, uh, I fundraised part of the budget on Kickstarter, um, all that. And like the first half of filming, it was, I really felt a lot of excitement and all that kind of (laughs) went down in 2020. And I I really wasn't sure if we'd be able to finish the film. We were always kind of uh, waiting in the wings, trying to see when can we fly? When can we fly? (laughs) When can we get to the East Coast? And then part of the movie ended up being shot um, by my DP solo. He had to do it all by himself. I could, we couldn't go where we needed to go. We had to do a lot of interviews by phone. Really wasn't sure how it was going to turn out. So that was very, very, very stressful. So I'm just really uh, pleased that we we're able to finish, and you know, we're really happy with it and how it turned out. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, great. I know. it's You've overcome so many obstacles. You both should be so proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good for you both for having the resilience to keep going. I mean, after so many years for you, Emily, and for you, yeah. my, those challenges that hit everyone, but I can imagine filmmakers in particular because of the nature of your job. Yeah, yeah. hopefully you have time, have celebrated and have set, make sure you make time to celebrate because I know it's probably... It's probably easier. It's hard for us to celebrate things. So I can imagine you just want to go to each festival and go and move on to the next thing. And it's like, no, just make sure you celebrate because you've accomplished a lot. Um, No, it's really important because the the project before this project, I produced a um, indie feature film, which got into the South by that got canceled the week before. (laughs) So we were really bummed that year. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of letdowns, right? A lot of disappointments. Yeah, so, so it's nice to be out there on the circuit, finally. Yeah. Can I ask, with your films, what would be the ultimate goal? Would the ultimate goal be to get them on a streaming service like Netflix? Or as filmmakers, I'm just curious, documentary filmmakers, what what, is, what are some of the ultimate goals you would have for your film? Hello. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to jump in. I mean, like, yes, it would be lovely to get on a streaming service. We have pre-sold some territories like Canada and Australia, New Zealand cool. and South Africa and India um, to this organization OutTV that came on board when we had our Kickstarter in 2018. Um, they just knew their audience would want to see a story about BB even before it was done. So that was really great and kept us going. Um, so now we're just trying to find our U.S. And, and other international opportunities. But I feel like even more important than that, like, like this film needs to reach the, reach the right people. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to reach everybody, but it needs to reach the right people. Like we just had a screening um, in New York uh, two days ago that I'm just still kind of buzzing about because it really felt like we got people in the room who who were really impacted by it. Um, and it's just, it's different when when you feel when you feel that way. Like um, our moderator for our Q&A was this black trans woman drag performer who, who, you know, I was kind of nervous. I was like, I really hope that she felt that we did justice to baby story. And she gave me the biggest hug yeah. I've ever gotten from a stranger when we met. And was just like, thank you mm-hmm. so much for making this movie. Mm-hmm. I've watched it five times. I feel seen. I feel represented. I feel empowered. I feel, um, it, it just like yeah. when you reach the right people, that's just so much more, uh, validating to me than, than reaching yeah. the widest possible audience. So yeah. that's my goal. I'm really focused on impact and outreach now and trying to get into communities that could, could benefit the most from, from learning more about BB's story and the people in Cameroon that, that we also meet. Yeah. I totally disagree. I think every single human needs to see both of their movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a event producer. Yeah, that's for Love sure. <laughs> so, Mai, what's your what's your ultimate goal or 
Well, yeah, I mean, similar to Emily, yeah, sure, the, the end goal is, you know, that it'll be streaming, it'll be available all over the world, right? Be easy for people to get. But if I had, if I had thought that it would only end up on streaming, I don't think I would have made the film. I'm, mm. I'm really all about the experience of cinema and bringing people together, bringing a community together. And that's what's really important to me because uh, I think... I think it was James Faust from the from the Dallas International Film Festival well, it had a quote something about how uh, cinema something about cinema fosters empathy by bringing by bringing people together in the same room mm-hmm. and experience something together mm-hmm. and and that's that's how I feel about my film I think it's way more impactful to see it on the big screen with really good sound, um, with other like-minded people. Um, I think that it's, it's a lot of films like mine or Emily's it, it's a safe space for people of a certain community to come together. Mm. And we don't really have that much, you know, it's so true. It's like a completely different experience. Just being in a room with people again and hearing people laugh together and gasp together. And and you're completely right, Melanie. Like, I'm not going to say that, that you know, this film only impacts Black trans women who are drag artists. Like, I've also had straight white computer engineers come up to me and say, oh, my gosh, baby story is my story. Thank you. You know, like it, it touches everybody in different ways because at the end of the day, it is about a human being and it is incredibly relatable and I related to Bibi and that's why I made the film so yeah yeah. oh so excited good goals to have for sure okay Melanie I know you're new to Tallgrass but there are a lot of other so are a lot of other Wichita's like something in Wichita is um where I think a lot of people know about it and it's, it's a lot of the same people go to the festival every year and it's a big deal and I think maybe for others they are they've heard about it but Tallgrass is like the, na- the name Tallgrass is a lot of things so I think sometimes they get confused they don't know that it's an actual film festival they don't know that filmmakers come to Wichita I don't think they know that at all um and they just it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle of like all the other million events going on um in the fall and so tell us a little bit about the history and what makes it a really unique and special event that we have annually in our region. Yeah, so um, Tim Groover, who was an indigenous gay Mormon (laughs) from Wichita, um, was living in L.A. working at Outfest. um, And he and two friends, Leela Meadow-Connor and Eric, that I cannot remember his last name, I'm so sorry. um, They got together and he decided he wanted to go home to Wichita and start a film festival because he didn't want it to be a Sundance. He wanted it to be a Telluride, although Telluride's become more Sundance-y, but it's fine. Um, Side note, he just wanted filmmakers and audiences to connect. Um, So he showed up and everyone thought he was probably a little bit insane, but a handful of people said, yeah, let's figure it out and make it happen. Some of those people are still here today, like Arietta and Tom, who are a big part of the festival. And um, they made it happen. And unfortunately, after year three, Timothy did die um, quite suddenly. So luckily, the board stepped in. Lilo Meta Connor stepped in and really kept it going and and really grew to make it a great, um, beloved festival by filmmakers. Um, but I think it's something that I've learned just being at festivals. There is a very niche community that likes independent film, but finding easy ways to access festivals is something I've really tried to learn and expand for people because 
a lot of people are like, oh, film festival, I have to be a filmmaker or, oh, I don't understand there's too many films, so I can't figure it out. So trying to create some more accessible points, like we're doing a free Shrek screening. That's not necessarily about independent film, but it's a fun family activity outdoors in the park, you know, stuff like that. So trying to, to build the traditional audience and give them what they want, but then also find new audiences that are like, hey, that sounds like a film for me. I'm a cat lover. I'm going to go check out Cat Daddies, you know, that sort of thing. So trying to sort of build that bridge for Wichitans. But there are also 10 million activities every weekend in Wichita. So that is a challenge for sure. I think <laughs> so. this year especially, we're trying to cram a year's worth of doing nothing in like the last so few months. Every I feel weekend. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's like, here's it's the 27 like activities today. Yes. Which one are you going to do? Well, yeah. and I think you just had to find what works for you. So, um, you know, obviously if you have young children at home, you might not want to just, you're not going to be able to go like to everything. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you are going to do a lot of the parties and stuff like that, you know, you got to have the, the tall pass and that's the way to go. We always... Um, we, we always donate beer. To, I own a brewery, by the way, ladies, I didn't tell you that, uh, we donate beer it's for awesome. the galas <laughs> and some of the, in like the, there's like a VIP like lounge area. Um, and so we are always like, that's like a big deal for us to be able to go, but we still can't go to everything all the time. Like I ended up having family pictures with my, the ward side of my family and like they just, this was the day that I'm not like, can we really do another day? Like I really have this whole, this whole, but we're going to like, we had like all of Thursday, all of Friday, like most of Sunday. Um, like blocked us part of Saturday, you know, th- and things pop up. But I think just even if you can, you can just get individual tickets if you can go to a couple things or make a yeah, you can go to a screening. Or, and we yeah. have free stuff, so if you can't afford yes. it, we also have plenty of free opportunities as well. So we really want there to be lots of access points to people, no matter how. I mean, I'm one of those all in people. You know, tall pass, you get food and drink and a bazillion mm-hmm. films all weekend, so that's the best value. But um, yeah. you can just go see a movie and then leave. Also, uh, the and great thing is, unlike going to like Regal or AMC and eating your popcorn and going home, the filmmaker's probably there and is going to yeah. answer the questions that you want to know. And it's really it's it's a unique opportunity that you don't get every day. And there's shorts before or after the films, which is always one of my favorites. Um, and mm-hmm. I love the comedy shorts, which that filled up really fast, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're about to that add was a my second screening of that. That was, yeah, that was my question. Comedy. <laughs> well, the other thing this year, so last year everything was virtual, which was, you know, kind of sad. We didn't get to... We didn't get to get together for the festival, but it was also, we like plan the weekend and just like hang out in our jammies and watch, you know, watch the, and that was really fun too. And ha- we invited some friends over that have never participated in the festival because they always had a million other things going on. Um, and so that was kind of a, a, I think a good entry point there, but this year they're doing, um, now it starts Sunday. What's the virtual Sunday and it lasts a Yeah, so we're days. doing the in-person this week and then the virtual will start Sunday um while we're still doing in person but then it runs through the 29th so basically the stuff that you heard the buzz during the festival you're like oh i missed that one you can then go watch i'm super excited because we say that every year like i didn't get it get to this one i'm like oh we could just do that one virtually so uh, there's always just too many to see it so i'm so excited about the virtual um and and making sure we you know my husband and i making sure we schedule time to do that too because it's easy to be like well we've got like six films that we didn't get to see and then we're trying to watch them all in like half a day or something so it'll be it'll be fun to have that and i think that's a because we always miss some and um or yeah the buzz you hear like well i don't know if i'd be interested in that film and then you hear something oh it's about something else or it's like that takes a turn that you have to see it's a 
must-see kind of thing. And so sometimes oh, yeah. those are the best. So my husband loves – my favorite are the comedy shorts um, in terms of, like, film festy type stuff. I love that you get to see that, like, all the shorts together. And my husband loves the weird the weird shorts. So uh, that's, that's – Yeah, and no offense to our two feature filmmakers. I'm a, a big yeah. feature – filmmaker person but um shorts are something you can't just go see at a theater the rest of the year so it's so much fun and a lot of times some of us are a little wild and start with features but a lot of people start with shorts so you get to see somebody in the very early stages of their career and it's such a nice way to sort of become an early adopter fan so yeah I think it's a good way to start but definitely the feature films obviously so tell us when the films are being so I know um when is Cat Daddy's when is the well, I'm going to share the website. We're going to share the website and everything, but yeah. From the last day on Sunday Sunday, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, Sunday afternoon. And then Being BB is the Sunday feature film, right? Correct? In the evening? Yeah, yeah. closing night film. Yeah. Um, and there's a short called The Young King playing before it. And then the closing night barbecue will be Drag Queens and Kings um, entertaining us as we eat barbecue at Cowtown, which will be an interesting <laughs> combination of things. So <laughs> I was thinking that. I was like, oh, the things that count. Interesting. I like it. Just do it all together. Yeah. <laughs> so for those yeah. witches who have not been to the festival, where is it located? Yeah, so we are, this year it's a little bit smaller than normal. We are all downtown um, the Orpheum is the hub on First Street, and then Wilkie Center, which is the Methodist Church, mm-hmm. um, Mama Film at Lux, mm-hmm. um, and then Groover Labs, which is a new space yeah. um, off of Second. So everything is really with walking distance mm-hmm. within a block of each other this year. So that's awesome. very, Wilkie's very easy to get y. down here. You know, like where the Salvation Army yeah. is right there. So yeah, yeah, it's all very walkable. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you need too. accommodations, we have golf carts and different things. So people don't have to worry about walking too far. So, so fun. And it's dollar off beers at the Hopping Gnome if you have a tall pass. <laughs> Yay. So we do that all weekend long. So, okay, so we will share. It's tallgrassfilm.org. Am I correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So um, we will share that. And um, they use the Elevent or whatever you call however you pronounce that, the the event site so you can you can see where all the films are listed you can choose what you want to do um you can stop by where is the office located if you want to stop by this week and just yeah we're at 125 north market we've taken over the lobby and um room 104 which is a huge space it's the place with all the owl tall grass signs you'll you'll see us pretty quickly so if you like to go in (laughs) kind of person and ask questions but otherwise the website's a great place to start and you can see all the info about the films and just kind of make your little make your little plan. Um, yeah, and we've also partnered this year with um, WSU, uh, Wichita State, oh. to do free COVID testing. So if anybody yeah. wants one, just to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also requiring masks indoors, no matter your vaccination status, just to make sure everybody's safe and there's no no cases. Yes. <laughs> so that's exciting. Okay, so um, to kind of kind of wrap us up, I know I want to respect your time. You're all very busy, and we'll be traveling here soon. Um, we like to. Uh, kind of wrap up by talking about any advice that you have for young filmmakers like we know obviously we think you're ceiling breakers um if you have anything that you want to share about how you are currently breaking ceilings for others in film or just any advice that you'd like to share want to start my sure um i'd say you know it's funny like if you had asked me 10 years ago i would have said the same thing like i think this is a long game Mm -hmm. a really long game (laughs) and 10 years later i'm still saying it's a really long game (laughs) i mean i think in my 
Uh, I don't know. I think in, when you're in your 20s, um, I don't know, you just see you see people kind of like breaking in. It seems like overnight, right? But really, when you really find the real story, people like to be a filmmaker, it, it's taken a really long time. There's not actually that many overnight stories. Um, and so just something to keep in mind, like whatever you think is a long time, it, it could be longer than that. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, just know that you kind of have to, you just have to stick with it. It really is like people that I was doing this kind of stuff with in my 20s, we're now in our 40s and 50s. And we're just now like making strides. Like we're now at, you know, uh, at our peak or getting there. So it could take a while. <laughs> yeah, that's really good advice. I think for uh, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast. So filmmakers, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. just anyone who's got a heart for something in general. I think that's just really beautiful advice. It is. Right, Emily? Emily? Um, I have two pieces of advice. First of all, I completely agree with my, like everything takes longer than you think it's going to. Hopefully it doesn't take you 15 years, but everything takes a little longer than you think it's going to at least. Um, but I would say two things. One is if you want to do this, just find a way to start and make a lot of stuff, like make and finish a lot of stuff, make short stuff, make snappy stuff. Like just, it takes a while to sort of figure out how the stuff works and you're not going to nail it right away. So just, just start and make things. Um, and then my second piece would be to develop a skill and uh, a network so that you can have a day job so that you can pay your bills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's lots of different roles in the industry that need filling and are filled by brilliantly creative people who are also directors, you know, like whether it's sound recording, editing, producing, like these are really valuable positions or, um, and, and, you can get paid for them. So, and you can also build your community that way because, you know, it's the people, you know, who are around you, who you're going to rise alongside and who are going to pull you up and you're going to pull them up too. So look around you for, and, and support the people around you and ask them for support and help each other. A rising tide raises all boats. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. That's and good. Melanie? I have so much, but um, my first would be if you're in town this weekend, come to our female filmmaker panel. Um, because I think you'll get lots and lots of advice. And number two, I was always looking for what is the model of success? Um, there isn't one. There's no guidebook. Everyone has a different success story. So figure that out for yourself and don't set your standard against somebody else's. And uh, same as my, like, there's no such thing as an overnight success story. You know, people are discovered at Sundance, but they're literally 15 years into their career at that point. So, you know, just know that you're not alone and how hard it is. And um, the networking, like Emily said, really does help you in those hard times <laughs> when you can't get those clearances and you're almost done with your documentary. Like, it's nice to talk to another one uh, filmmaker that's like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so... All right, well, I love that. So many good nuggets. I know we're yes. writing, we're writing quotes. Right, so we'll be, we'll be sharing this um, all week long and share um, tallgrassfilm.org. Make sure you check out Cat Daddies and Being Vivi and the whole festival and follow these amazing filmmakers. Thank you so much for joining us today. So we uh, thanks for having us. Know, look forward to hopefully meeting you in person, and uh, we'll see everybody at Tallgrass Film Festival this week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you.